is there any chance that Sean Aguano could hold on to his job heading into the 2023 season? And more importantly, if he doesn't, who am I naming as the head coach today? All this and more on this edition of the Locked On Sun Devils Mailbag. Our Locked On Sun Devils, your daily podcast on the Arizona State Sun Devils. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, yo, what is going on, everybody? My name is Richie Bradshaw. I am your guide for everything Arizona State Sun Devils. Thank you all so much for making this your first listen of the day. Remember, the Lockdown Sun Devils podcast is free and available on all platforms, including YouTube, if you want to check us out in that visual platform. But of course, wherever you do get your podcast, hit that like and subscribe button, turn on those notifications, and always stay in touch with everything going on with the Lockdown Sun Devils podcast all the time. Also, do me a favor. And if you are on Twitter, go ahead and follow me. You can find me at RichieBrads36, and you can find the podcast while you're there as well, at LO underscore Sun Devils. Today's episode is brought to you by BetOnline. BetOnline has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, guys, it's mailbag week. Well, not week, but it's mailbag time. And we're just going to hop right on into this thing. Got a lot of questions today. I think I counted eight, but don't count on my counting skills because I went to Mountain Ridge High School and we don't we don't count so wells. Dumb joke. Anyways, all right, let's go ahead and just hop right into this thing. I'm going to break these up uh, piece by piece as we hop through a couple breaks here and there and get through this bad boy. First question I have here, do you think there's any chance Iguano, Sean Iguano, of course, can keep the job if he impresses. Yeah, of course. There's definitely a chance that he can. But, I mean, he'd have to do more than impress. It would have to be a lot more than just continuing to gain the trust of these kids and continuing to get them to be more competitive. That's just, unfortunately, not enough. It's going to take a lot more than that to get the rest of the of the staff and of the athletic director, Ray Anderson, to buy into like, hey, you know, Iguano's going to be our guy moving forward. Like, we just, without a shadow of a doubt, we feel best that this is, for better or for worse, the person that we want running this program for the next three years at least. So he's going to have to deliver in the wins department, not just not just in the in the moral victories, not just in the building up a a community within the within the players and the staff and everything like that, building a new uh, what's the word I'm looking for, like mentality and all that. But he's also going to have to win games and he's probably going to need to get bowl eligible at least. So a six, six and six record and that ASU Sun Devils schedule is it, it's no cakewalk the rest of the year. We've looked through this, and I think in a best-case scenario, there's like two games that I feel confident, not even confident, that I think they are capable of winning good. The rest of the games, man, it, it would ha- it'd have to be upsets because you got two more, uh, two more ranked games coming up here over the next two weeks, and by the time you get later into the season, you could see Wazoo or Oregon State ranked as well, so... 
We'll just have to wait and see. Next question. What is the least appealing aspect of bringing in a new head coach? The recent subpar recruiting or upcoming sanction penalties? So at this point, I feel like it's turned into we, if we were going to get slammed by the NCAA, we would have by now. So I don't know if those sanction penalties are going to be anything that's going to deter a lot of people away. If it was between one of those two, it's definitely the recruiting classes. But the other thing to remember is that these are Herm Edwards recruits, right? So if if Bill O'Brien comes here, Bill O'Brien's going to get Bill O'Brien recruits, you know, but unfortunately they're not going to be there for 2023, the next year, right? It, they would be 2024, 2025, 2026 kind of thing. So where whoever the next coach, uh, wherever the next head coach is coming to the program, like the, the biggest thing for them is going to be, you know, realizing that this is, this is, this is a bit of a project. We're not going to be a bowl eligible team from year one. Heck, it might not be for year two either, but you got to give whoever's coming in here a fair opportunity to be able to build up a rapport with whatever they're trying to build up. Next question. What player or players do you think need to take control and be a leader than most with a coaching staff has a bunch of question marks. It's absolutely vital that there are leaders in the locker room to drive the team. Who should it be? I think the most obvious ones are Merlin Robertson and Kyle Sully. The, the most veteran players on the team they're both very integral to the defense. In fact, Soli has been one of the best players on the Sun Devils team in general, let alone the fact he's got 51 tackles and is on pace for 153 this year. He's just been absolutely insane. He's playing with his hair on fire for the Sun Devils. But him and Robertson have both been with the program a long, long time now and are firmly established guys and people that, you know, uh, the, the rest of the players and the coaching staff highly respect. They're their veteranship and their status with the team. There's other guys as well. Uh, you know, you could just look at the captains, honestly, but um, I don't want to say Emory Jones because it's his first year, but obviously you want to see your, your quarterback kind of take control. I want to see Ladarius Henderson also take control the way that I know he has been. Um, Case Hatch is another captain, but I don't think I would necessarily put him on that list. Um. I wish Brian Thompson could have been that guy, but he's just not. Uh, I also don't know if it's fair to put that on Valaday. So if I, if I had to pick three, it'd be Robertson, Sully, and uh, Ladarius Henderson. All right, let's go into our first break. When we return, we're going to go ahead and pick it up where we left off for our edition of the mailbag. But first, let me talk to you about our friends over at BetOnline. BetOnline.net is your number one source for football betting info this season. Find all the latest player developments, team matchups, news, podcasts, and in-depth articles and analysis on every game you can find. And as always, BetOnline remains your continued source for all your sports wagering information with live betting and up-to-the-minute scores for every sport out there. The fastest and easiest way to check out on all your favorite games and events, including Major League Baseball, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to BetOnline.net or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action happening right now at BetOnline where the game starts. All right, guys, back into our lovely conversation. Probably my favorite show that we do every week. Next, ugh, goodness gracious. Next question here. What did you think 
of the first game under the new coach. Did you see any noticeable differences, positive or negative? I feel like they played worse this week than they did against a better Oklahoma State team on the road. So let's kind of break this down. What did I notice? Uh, what did I think of my, of the first game under Sean Aguano? I think we got our lunch money stolen, but I think that was expected. I think that ASU is going to be quite the project moving forward. And there's not a single head coach who can come in here and turn this team into a national championship. Nick Saban would need a year. Like Nick Saban wasn't an instant winner with Alabama. I believe he had a losing season his first year there before he ends up, you know, obviously winning natties every single year, every other year. But even, even Nick Saban would have to come to this Arizona state program and take a lump because that's just how down this program is right now. So for Sean Aguano to come in as the interim coach and at least get these kids to buy into his mentality, that's huge. So that's awesome. For first game, yeah, ASU got their lunch money stolen. But should we have really expected anything more than that? Probably not. Any noticeable differences? Yeah, I noticed, especially in the press conference that I talked about this week, is that these kids definitely feel a lot more confident about the way they're practicing, about the way they feel and working with each other, and even their hustle on the field to show up. Not really, but you know, you love the mindset. You love that maybe moving forward, that continues to build traction with the team and that they can still be able to build upon that and become better and better as the year progresses. Uh, the last thing I wanted to break down with that question is saying that uh, I feel like they played worse this week than they did against a better Oklahoma State team on the road. I would agree that they did play worse, definitively worse, but there's a lot of other different circumstances going to that one. You were in Stillwater. This game was in Tempe. Regardless of the fact that like Utah travels well and ASU fans are not interested in going to these games, it is still a difference between going to a, an enemy team's territory, a ranked enemy team's territory, and being able to stay at home. And the other thing here is ASU at the time still had familiarity with the schemes and everything that they were going to be running. Going into this game, I mean, ev everything was changed. As Taylor Swift and Ed Sheeran would say, everything has changed. And moving forward, that'll be for the best. But obviously for this game, you, you can't expect them to look outstanding, I suppose. Uh, I think my biggest thing here is I feel like Utah is getting slept on a little bit. I would not say that Oklahoma State is better than Utah. I am still a very big Utah believer. I feel like... Yeah, look, USC is definitely the team to beat in the Pac-12 right now. But Utah is still the reigning champs. They went to the Rose Bowl last year. They played a very good game against Ohio State. They're still a very determined team. They're young. They're exciting. They're explosive. They got playmakers. They're very well coached. I still think that Utah is a very good football team. Sure, they're probably behind USC right now. USC's way ahead of where I ever thought they would be. but. Props to them. But comparing them to Oklahoma State, I I think I would take Utah on neutral field. I would definitely take them in Salt Lake City. In Stillwater would be a close game. But I think that Utah is a better team on both sides of the football. I think they got a better coach. I think they've got 
the better overall defense. Now, obviously, you know, uh, what, what's that kid's name? Colin Oliver for the, uh, for the Cowboys is really good. That whole defensive line absolutely ate Arizona State alive. But that was, that was, that was a tough game. But again, like, I, I feel like they, uh, they had they had a tough assignment going to Stillwater, and even playing on the road. Yeah, they did play better, but again, they were more organized than what they were this week. So I think if uh, if you give both these teams the same amount of time to get organized and whatnot, so even if you even if it is Aguano in the game against Utah, and it's still Herm against um, Oklahoma State. If you gave Aguano a whole offseason to prepare for Oklahoma State, or a whole season to prepare for Utah, I mean, I don't know if they're still going to be as prepared as the team was for Oklahoma State. I don't know. Like I, I feel like I'm just kind of jumping back and forth. It's a very interesting question because... Oklahoma State and Utah are both very good football teams. But I don't want to sit here and underrate Utah. So I think the biggest difference between those games was just how unprepared they had to be against Utah. They just, you know, pants around their ankles. It's a brand new coach. They're trying to do a lot of different things. They're trying out different practice methods. So it was just something that no one really could adjust to that quickly. Next question, if you were faced with this decision and had to name the next coach for Arizona State, who would you choose and why? So, in a perfect world where all the stars align for me, it's Matt Rule. However, I will tell you that if I had to name the guy today, I've I've actually really started to buy into this idea quite a bit. I think it might surprise some people. I want Kenny Dillingham. Kenny Dillingham is the offensive coordinator for Oregon. Uh, he's got roots back at Arizona State. He was a all a mater for the team, or, uh, the team, but the university graduated in 2012 and then was an offensive assistant for two years with the team. So there's there's some dots to connect here. But he's also really young. He's 32 years old. He's an offensive mind. He's been an offensive coordinator since 2018 by the way when he left arizona state he left with um, mike norvell and went to went to memphis with him and was in memphis with him for three years where he ended as the offensive coordinator and as the quarterback coach for the team and he goes to auburn same thing goes to florida state for two years guess what he's with mike norvell again two years same role offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach now he went to oregon doing the same thing i think it makes some sense for Dillingham to come right back down to um, to Arizona State here. Is it the greatest move in the world? No, because he's super young. He's very, very much unproven. But I actually really have thought about that a lot. And I actually really like that idea of potentially promoting Dillingham to the to the head coaching spot. Excuse my dog while she plays with her dumb toys. Thank you. I'm recording. All right. One more question. And then we're going to go into our final break here. ASU needs to improve on both sides of the ball. However, would you rather see improvements from the offense or defense first? I feel like the offense has the weapons to keep 
to at least keep a game close, but the defense has got to step up. That entirely depends what your what your perception of the team is moving forward. What what are you trying to do? Are you trying to keep people entertained? Because if that's the case, then you definitely want your offense to get back to scoring 28 plus points a game. Are you trying to set a precedent moving forward? Then you want your defense to step back up. Me personally, I think right now it's just too late for you to be trying to set a precedent. Uh, you're 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 one and three on the year. You would be lucky to win two more games. I think right now you need to just put a product on the TV that people will enjoy. And even if you're losing games, if if you're if you're scoring 28 points a game, it's a little more entertaining than watching a a 24 to 10 defensive game, quote unquote. But if you had a a 40 to 30 shootout, at least that gets you a little bit more excitement. You're going to get some highlight plays out of it. And then obviously that means that guys like Emory Jones and X Valade are still playing good. So unfortunately, as much as I am like a defensive guy, I think right now it's got to be offense because the team needs to be able to sell its image moving forward. Uh, it needs to be kind of showing off that the offense has some of the tools to it for offensive minded guys like Kenny Dillingham, like Matt Rule, like Bill O'Brien. You know, you need to be able to advertise what side of the ball you're you're trying to get better at. And you've had three consecutive uh, defensive minded coaches. It's it's time for an offensive minded head coach. So express your interest in the in the offense, in my opinion. All right. One last break. When we get back, we're going to finish up the rest of these questions. First, I want to talk to you about our friends over at My Solar Nerd. I'm really excited to actually talk to you guys about this today, being in Arizona. So you guys know we live in a sunny state. There's a lot of sun in sunny states. Who would have thought? It's very likely that you guys have probably had people coming around and offering you free solar. The truth is that many of these companies aren't local. And because of that, they're using misleading tactics and end up overcharging homeowners. If you've considered solar, but something fell off, then you're going to love this sponsor, My Solar Nerd. My Solar Nerd is simple. They want to help you get the best solar system to fit your needs. The guys at MySolarNerd.com are local and understand the nuances of going solar in Arizona. They've been doing this for a while and understand that an educated customer is a happy customer. Their no-pressure approach will make sure all your questions get answered. They firmly believe that if you live in AZ, switching to solar should mean saving money. Once you're ready, they'll put their industry knowledge to work for you by choosing the best equipment, warranties, and BBB accredited installer. They'll also help you figure out all the credits and incentives you may qualify for. And they'll make sure that your transition to solar is as smooth as possible by managing the entire project for you and keeping you updated along the way. Right now, our listeners are getting a $50 Amazon gift card. When they book a no-commitment evaluation, this promotion is only for our listeners that are homeowners. So visit MySolarNerd.com and select Locked On in the How Did You Hear About Us section. Make the switch to solar on your terms. Start your research process by visiting MySolarNerd.com today and show Locked On some love by letting them know that we sent you. Folks, going solar doesn't need to be complicated. MySolarNerd.com makes it easy. 
make sure you guys have subscribed by now to the Locked On Pac-12 podcast. Stay in touch with the Conference of Champions and everything that's going on with Arizona State's 11 rivals in this wonderful conference with number one friend of the podcast and host Spencer McLaughlin. Make it your second listen of the day. No excuses. Stay in touch with everything going on in the Pac-12, especially with ASU being bad. Two more questions, and we're going to get out of here. Focusing on USC now. First one, will ASU cover the spread? Currently, our friends over at Bet Online, where the game starts, has USC minus 25. There was a place I saw yesterday that was minus 26. So hop on that right now and take USC to cover. You have to go to the Coliseum. You're playing Lincoln Riley, who remains one of the best head coaches in football, one of the greatest offensive minds that college football has seen in the last 10 years. You're going up against Caleb Williams, who is building a Heisman Trophy campaign. You're going up against Jordan Addison, who is building up another Fred Bolitnikoff award campaign. They've got some really talented running backs like Travis Dye. They've got great players on the defensive side of the ball, including someone Arizona State is intimately familiar with and Eric Gentry. Yeah, that it's it's a good football team. Just top to bottom, all their spots. Very, very good, very well coached, and you're on the road. ASU doesn't have a chance in this game. They really don't. If they pull this off, um, I want to see the whole stadium sold out for Washington. No excuses. If you find a way to take down USC in USC, if I do not see a sold-out stadium in Washington, I am personally going to tweet at you online and tell you that you're a loser, I guess. I don't know. But no, I don't think ASU's covering the spread. For what it's worth, the over-under for the total is 60 and a half, and I think USC could get that by itself. So uh, last question here, potential head coach candidates not being talked about. So, man, we, we've done a lot of talking about the head coaching candidates, some of them more obvious than others. One of the ones that's gaining more traction recently is Deion Sanders. That's a really intriguing one to me. I'm not the biggest Deion Sanders is the next best head, uh, the next best thing at head coach, but he's really got um, Jackson State moving in the right direction right now. They're blowing out teams and they're dominating their competition. They look very, very good. And he already recruited the number one player in the nation in that defensive back. So if Deion comes to Arizona State, he can recruit the hell out of this program. Question is, can he coach it? I don't know. So that was an interesting one. That one's gaining a lot more traction, though. So I wouldn't classify that as one that no one's talking about. I feel like Kenny Dillingham is probably the biggest one that no one's talking about for Arizona State. Um, I know some people are linking Brian Harson from Auburn to come over, especially because uh, Alabama former Alabama quarterback A.J. McCarron decided to start stirring the pot and mention that he saw somewhere that Harson has already been told that he's going to get fired. And I mean, even before this, you know, quote unquote confirmation that a rival quarterback has made about your team, even if that does happen, I don't know if Harson is still the best fit here. I don't know how much people are talking about Tom Herman. I feel like that would also be like a sneaky good hire for the team. Um, other than that, I, I feel like the biggest names are still the pretty obvious ones, but I think Kenny Dillingham probably tops that list for me. 
just because he is so young and unknown by the majority of people. But there's a lot of guys to be looking out for. And what you guys need to look out for on tomorrow's edition of the podcast is my final breakdown of the USC game. Everything you need to know offensively, defensively, a focus player, some bold predictions, and a final score prediction for the Friday edition of the podcast. This does uh, this does wrap up this Locked on Sun Devils mailbag edition of the podcast. So thank you guys so much for tuning in. Make sure to drop your questions in the comments on any YouTube video, or you can find me on Twitter and tweet tweet at me. You can submit your questions to me on Twitter at RichieBrads36 or at LO underscore Sun Devils. We will also tweet out on the day to send in your questions for this Locked on Sun Devils mailbag. Send them in. They're going to get answered. I promise you. In the meantime, though, wherever you get your podcasts, hit like and subscribe and turn on notifications so you get an update every time we post new content. Monday through Friday, it's the best Arizona State Sun Devils content in the whole world. Till next time, you keep it locked right here. I'm Locked on Sun Devils.